In the last chapter, Charlie was at Vacation Bible School, and she saw a note that Audrey's mom had written her, and she felt a little badly since her mom wasn't around. Chapter 25. The next day at Bible School, we made bottle cap magnets with the Ten Commandments on them. Then we played some game where we had to wrap ourselves in strips of crepe paper, like Joseph's coat of many colors, and race around an obstacle course. I guess Miss Rhonda didn't remember about Howard and his up-down walk when she thought up that game. He came in last and ripped his coat of many colors, but he didn't seem to care. At lunch, we sat in the shade and took out our lunch boxes. Howard was helping Miss Rhonda gather up all the crepe paper strips, so I plopped myself down next to Audrey. Hey, I said. Hey, Audrey said, and then she scooted closer to a girl named Lainey who had scabs all over her legs. I couldn't believe she'd rather sit closer to a scabby-legged girl than me, but I guess she did. I told her I was sorry about that kicking and shoving, hadn't I? I didn't know what else I could do to make a friend with her. I opened my new lunchbox and took out the things that Bertha had packed me. A bagel with peanut butter, strawberries in a margarine tub, some cookies she made that were kind of burnt on the bottom. Then I took out the note that I had written in the, the night before, the one that said, I love you very much, Mama. I opened it and held it out in front of me. Then I cleared my throat so maybe Audrey would look my way and see the, that paper, but she was busy stirring her yogurt. So I tossed the paper on the grass, almost in front of her. You dropped your trash, she said. What? That's your trash, she pointed to the paper. You mean that note? She shrugged. Whatever. It's from my Mama, I said, rolling my eyes. She's all the time doing that. I nudged the paper a little closer to her so maybe she would read it. I thought you lived with your aunt and uncle, she said. Well, not all the time. I mean, most of the time. But my mama comes to visit a lot, and she's always writing these notes. I knew my face was beet red, so I kept my eyes on the ground. Audrey made a face. You're not supposed to lie at vacation Bible school. She said the word Bible real loud and mean-sounding. Before I knew it, I was standing over her with my fists balled up and my heart beating like crazy. I felt red-hot anger settle over me like a blanket. I wanted to stomp on her perfect sneakers. I wanted to yank those butterfly barrettes out of her hair. But then Howard came up from behind me, saying, Pineapple, pineapple, pineapple. Audrey grabbed her yogurt and lunchbox and stood up. Y'all are crazy, she said, and stormed off toward the church. What the heck, Charlie, Howard said. You're going to smack somebody at church? I dropped back down to the grass and began throwing my bagel and stuff into my lunchbox. Howard sat beside me. Why are you so mad? She said I lied. Did you? No, I snatched that stupid note up and tossed it in the lunchbox. He looked over at me, over the top of his glasses, the way some old grown-up would. There's no reason to get mad. He peered into my lunchbox. Are you going to eat that bagel? It took me a while to simmer down, but I finally did. Still, I wasn't in the mood to memorize Bible verses. When it was almost time to go home, Miss Rhonda told us to go inside and help set up the chairs for Sunday school. As Howard made his way toward the church, T.J. Rainey followed behind him, walking in an up-down way like Howard. He looked around to make sure everybody was watching, a big old grin on his face like he was the funniest person in the universe. Suddenly, Howard turned around, but T.J. didn't even stop. He kept walking toward Howard, up-down, up-down. And then I couldn't believe my eyes. Howard just turned back around and went on his way like nothing had even happened. Well, I can tell you for sure there weren't enough pineapples in the world to keep me from running straight at TJ, full steam ahead. I kept my arms stiff in front of me, and bam, I shoved him so hard, his head snapped back, and he crashed face first into the dirt. I confess, I was more than a little surprised when he got up and shoved me back, knocking me to the ground. 
I scrambled to my feet and was ready to haul off and bust him one when Miss Rhonda stepped between me and TJ, with her fists jammed into her waist and a look of pure horror on her face. Stop it right now, she hollered. This is not Bible school behavior. So that's how I ended up sitting on a church pew with TJ Rainey, listening to Miss Rhonda talk about forgiveness and kindness and goodness and grace and all that stuff. It seemed to me like Audrey Mitchell ought to be sitting here in her perfect sneakers while Miss Rhonda quoted some stuff about doing unto others. Every once in a while, TJ shot me a glare and I shot one right back. When Bertha came to pick me up, Miss Rhonda had to go and tell her what happened. Bertha nodded and said, Oh dear, and yes ma'am, and I will, and then we rode home in silence. Mama would have been hollering at me, asking me what in the world is wrong with me and can't I go one darn day without causing trouble? But not Bertha. She reached over and patted my knee and said, You're a good friend to Howard, Charlie. When we got home, me and Wishbone went out front and sat in the shade of the dogwood tree. The air was still and hot. The red dirt yard, dry and dusty. Bertha's nasturtiums by the front door spilled over the sides of the flower pots and drooped into the ground. The sprinkler sputtered in circles out in the garden, leaving glistening drops of water dripping off the okra and settling into little pools inside the yellow flowers of the cucumber plants. When I'd first gotten to Colby, most of that garden had just been rows of tiny green plants poking out of the ground. But now, plump red tomatoes grew fatter every day, yellow flowers turned into bright green zucchini, and pole beans hung in clusters from vines that snaked up twine to form leafy teepees. A blue jay landed in the yard near us, and Wishbone's ears perked up. He cocked his head and watched that bird hop in and out of the marigolds along the fence. I put my arm around him and rubbed his long, velvety ears between my fingers. He licked my face, his tail swishing back and forth on the dusty ground. I swear that dog loves you to pieces, Bertha kept telling me. And I do believe it was true. He'd gotten to where he wouldn't let me out of his sight, following me around from room to room, laying by my chair at the kitchen table, sleeping with his head on my feet out on the porch. I didn't even need to keep him on a leash in the yard anymore. He'd stay right by my side wherever I went. He might trot over to sniff a shrub or snap at the bumblebees on the clover by the porch, but he always glanced back to make sure I was still there. And every time he did that, I loved him more. After a while, Bertha came outside and brought us saltine crackers with peanut butter. She let Wishbone eat one right off her hand and didn't even care when he slobbered on her. Then, out of the clear blue, she said, Charlie, I really admire you for sticking up for Howard like you did today. Admired me? Well, that was a first. I was pretty sure nobody on earth had, had ever admired me before. You do, I said. She nodded. I do. So we sat out there in the shade of the dogwood while the sun beat down on the dirt yard. Bertha told me a story about when she and Mama were little girls and went to a lake one summer. Carla had never been in the water deeper than a bathtub in her life, Bertha said. So when she fell off the dock into that murky water, everybody went crazy. But I swear, she popped right up like a cork without so much as a sputter. Then she just floated on her back, staring up at the sky while everybody ran up and down the dock, hollering and carrying on. And my Uncle Jared jumped in after her and ruined his brand new wristwatch. Bertha chuckled and swatted at gnats that were hovering over Wishbone as he slept. That girl was a walking wonder sometimes, she said. Of course, I couldn't help but ask myself how a woman who couldn't get out of bed and get on her feet could be a walking wonder. But I was still basking in the glow of being admired. So, for once, I kept quiet and didn't mess things up. And one time, Bertha went on, she snipped all the buttons off my blouses. She cut the air with her fingers like scissors. Snip, snip, snip right onto the floor. Why'd she do that? Beats the heck out of me, she said. She did the craziest things you ever saw. She reached over suddenly and grabbed my knee. Well, not crazy crazy, but just, you know, kind of, well, odd. 
She let go of my knee and went back to swatting gnats away from Wishbone. About the only thing I remember our poor mama ever saying was, Carla, stop that. I nodded. I had a perfect picture in my mind of little Carla snipping those buttons. Snip, snip, snip. Before long, Gus's car came bouncing and squeaking up the gravel driveway. Hey, Butterbean, he called out the window. Then he got out, kissed Bertha on the cheek, patted Wishbone on the head, and told me I was a ray of sunshine at the end of a long, sorry day. That night in bed, I lay on top of the cool sheets with Wishbone's soft, warm body next to me. I thought about my broken family back in Raleigh and wondered if they were thinking about me. A ray of sunshine at the end of a long, sorry day. Chapter 26 What's that? Audrey Mitchell pointed to my hand as we played Bible bingo in the fellowship hall. It had been raining all morning, so we hadn't been able to go outside and have a balloon race like Miss Rhonda had planned for us to do. I looked down at the drawing I had done on the back of my hand with a pen. A blackbird in a cage, I said, flipping my hair the way Jackie flips hers. Audrey screwed up her face like she'd just seen a dead possum squashed flat in the middle of the road. Check it out, I said, thrusting my hand toward her face and winking. I'd been trying to do all the things Jackie does, flipping my hair and winking, acting cool and confident, but so far it didn't seem to be working. Most of those kids at Bible school still treated me like I had cooties. What's it for, Audrey said. And then the darndest thing happened. I guess being a ray of sunshine had given me some real confidence, not pretend confidence, because I looked her square in the eye and said, it's the same as the tattoo my daddy has on his hand. The minute those confident words came out, old Mr. Doubt tapped me on the shoulder and said, now look what you've done. She's going to ask you where your daddy is, and then what are you going to say? But miracle of miracles, Audrey did not ask me where my daddy was. She just said, oh, and studied her Bible bingo card. So I pushed Mr. Doubt aside and said, his name is Scrappy and he's getting corrected. Audrey put another token on her bingo card. What does that mean? She asked. Means he's getting corrected, I said. He'll be home any day now. So then are you going back to Raleigh, she said. At that, Howard's head shot up from studying his bingo card and stared at me. Um, yeah, I said, sure. When, Howard said. I shrugged. I don't know. However long it takes for Scrappy to get corrected, I guess. Suddenly, my confidence began to spin out of control. Faster and faster until it rose right up through the ceiling and out of the roof of Rocky Creek Baptist Church, disappearing into the sky and leaving me there in the fellowship hall with a stomach ache. I licked my thumb and wiped at that blackbird tattoo, leaving a smudgy black spot on my hand. Some, suddenly, somebody yelled, Bingo! And Miss Rhonda clapped her hands and pointed to the table full of prizes, coloring books and glittery pens and erasers shaped like Noah's Ark. Clear your cards, Miss Rhonda said. Let's start a new game. Later that day, me and Howard sat on the Odom's front porch steps, watching Wishbone and Cotton playing in the sprinkler. Cotton jumped over puddles of muddy water while Wishbone scampered along behind him, ears flopping and tail wagging. I've been wondering about something, Howard said, scratching at mosquito bites on his freckled leg. How come you shoved TJ at Bible school yesterday? What do you mean, I asked. I mean, why'd you shove him? He was making fun of you, Howard. I know. I stared at him. His eyebrows were squeezed together over his glasses, and he looked so serious. For a minute, I almost laughed. But then he said, He was making fun of me, not you. Then you're the one who should have shoved him, I said. Nah. Why not, I said. Why do you let kids make fun of you and don't do one darn thing about it? Because I'd be shoving somebody every day of my life. So? So what good is that? We sat in silence a few minutes. Cotton was stomping in the mud, and Wishbone was snapping at the water swirling out of the sprinkler. But why'd you shove TJ, Howard asked. Because he was being mean to you. I wiped muddy water off my legs. Duh, I added. Why do you care about that? Because you're my friend, I said. I don't like kids to be mean to my friends, okay? I'm your friend? 
Sure you are, I said. Duh, I added again. I am? Well, yeah. Then my wish came true. It did? Yeah. Howard blushed a little, his white freckly face turning pale pink. Well, part of it anyway. I wished for two things. So, since one of them has come true, I can tell it to you. I wish that we'd be friends. Well, dang, I never would have guessed that. You'd think that a red-headed boy with glasses who was named Howard and had an up-down walk would have a lot more to wish for than being friends with me. But I admit I felt a smile on my face and hope in my heart. Because maybe wishes really do come true. Maybe some wishes just take longer than others.